This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo here on the Blood Red channel. Liverpool sending out an early title warning, blasting away Arsenal at Anfield. Super Sadio, terrific Trent, delightful Diogo. We'll look back on the win over Arsenal as Klopp's men outline their hunger to defend their title. Alongside myself, Guy Clark, our chief LFC writer, Ian Doyle, Joe Rimmer and Sean Bradbury. Gentlemen, how are we all after a uh, terrific win over Arsenal? Doyle, come to you first. I'm fine. I mean, how how did you enjoy seeing Arsenal lose? <laughs> yeah, yeah, enjoyed being the optimal word. Joe, how are we? <laughs> I'm very good, thanks, Guy. How are you? Yeah, absolutely terrific. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Sean, yourself? Yeah, I kind of feel you'll need an arm around the shoulder to get you through this one, but to treat us like a little support group, we'll get you there. I have to say, though, Obviously, you're making reference and taking the mick out of me there being on the other side of the fence for this one. But Doyley, being at Anfield, it was really a performance of champions, a complete showing from Liverpool in many ways. Well, especially the first half. I thought in the first half that was comparable to anything Liverpool did last season. Uh, Interesting, Mikel Arteta kind of made suggestion of that after the game. I think he was speaking to Sky and he said that you know, Liverpool have such quality, you know, we, we press them high, he says, but you just, Van Dijk gets the ball, it's at 60 yards diagonal to Salah, and they're out of the press and they're away. And that's what Liverpool were doing all the way through the first half. They were just finding all the answers to the to the questions that Arsenal were posing. And I mean, the second half, because Arsenal were behind, they had a little bit more of a go. I mean, they got into Liverpool half a few times. So it was better from their point of view. But the, the thing there is that it just opened up even more space for Liverpool. Had it finished five or even six one. I don't think anybody would have complained. That's not to say Arsenal were terrible because they weren't. In fact, I thought they played all right. For me, Liverpool won the area where they didn't win at the Emirates and they didn't win, certainly didn't win at the Community Shield in the first half, at least. And that was the midfield. I thought the midfield were excellent. I'm sure we'll come on to that at some point. You know, there was no Thiago there. And it's if the three that were in there were went, well, hang on, we better start, not we better start playing, but this is a great opportunity for us to show just how good that we are. You've also got to bear in mind Jordan Henderson wasn't there either. So you had the skipper wasn't there, the the main signing of this summer. Who the, the, This was exactly the kind of game with a deep-line defence that Thiago was meant to have been brought in for to play in. And Liverpool blew, blew Arsenal away. And given the fact that they've now played you know, a decent promoted team in Leeds, they've won at Chelsea, they've now beaten Arsenal. I think if you'd have said before the start of the season, Liverpool would get nine points from nine from the first three games. So that's a, even seven would have been a very good return, but to get nine, that shows you that you know, once again, Liverpool are the team to beat. Yeah, it shows the levels, Joe, that Liverpool player, as Doyley said there, I think everyone was looking at those first five games of the season thinking, well, Liverpool surely can't win the opening five games. They've made it three from three so far, and they do look like they're just picking up exactly where they started last season. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about when they, they came back from lockdown and there were some questions about Liverpool looking slightly rusty, perhaps not as good as they were pre-lockdown. Um, but, I mean, this season they've started and they look um, as good as they were at their best, at their very best last season. I mean, last yesterday's performance last night, um, the first half, as Doherty says, was just, um, it was just such an assured performance. You know, even when they fell behind from another gift, you know, we, we only gift Arsenal goals, it seems, but... When they when they fell behind from a gift, you just I don't think anyone was worried. I think it was just a bit of a shrug your shoulders and carry on because Liverpool will get the goals. And you look, look at the the three teams that have played them have all tried slightly different things. Leeds tried to to attack Liverpool, and Liverpool overcame them. 
Chelsea decided to try and sit in. Liverpool overcame them. And then Arsenal, I think, tried to press them a little bit more and, and counter-attack. And Liverpool overcame them. So, I mean, it's it's such impressive stuff. And already, you have to look at the league and go, well, you know, Man City have lost and shown weakness. Manchester United have shown weakness. Arsenal have shown weakness. Chelsea have shown weakness. And Liverpool haven't shown any weakness yet. Um, you know, the, albeit we talk about, we won't call them sloppy things because we know Klopp, Klopp gets upset. You know, they, they've conceded goals, but... I don't think it, there's too much to be concerned about. You know, last night's was a total gift. Leeds was a very strange game, but other than that, they've looked so, so good. Yeah, you know, Liverpool, if they carry on like this, they might find themselves even further clear. Yeah, it takes some, some believing, but it, it really is sort of something that you could see uh, happening, Sean. I suppose one of the real intriguing things about this Liverpool side that we've said for a while, though, is how they really can turn it on at any time against any kind of opposition. Joe alluding to it there. It doesn't matter what the game plan of the opposition is. Liverpool are better at it than what the opposition are. Oh, 100%. I'd, I'd agree with the lads. It was hugely satisfying. One of the most complete performances I can remember for quite a while, both in terms of technical level, but I think hunger as well, like Roy Keane and uh, Carragher and others have, have made this point, but like Liverpool just looks so up for it in, in these first few games. And you combine that with their quality and you've got what looks at this point, although it's early, like a recipe to, to defend their title successfully. But yeah, it just the range of passing, the different angles of attack, the pressing, it was just... It was all on show. It was all relentless, irresistible. And I think in, in the context of this week as well, we'll come on to individual performances, but Jota off the bench and, and other individuals, it, it's just such a great time to be a Liverpool fan. You know, you can, you can savour this first team doing what they're doing and what we've seen them doing for the past couple of seasons. But there's a big squad as well. And I think that's, that's going to keep the players in, in the kind of first team on their toes, but it's going to mean success in multiple competitions and, you know, going to far reaches of the domestic cups. I think, like you said, in terms of the different opposition that have played, been played so far, you look at it, Chelsea and Arsenal, it's two of the teams who are, all right, not potentially touted as title challengers, but certainly, certainly teams who should be knocking around the, the, the top three for getting Champions League places. And they've both been beaten fairly comfortably by a margin of a couple of goals. Um, yeah, and, and, it's, and like, like Joe said, okay, there was there were moments. Andy Robertson will regret what happened. He'll regret his assist for, for Arsenal's goal, but... Every single area of the pitch, I thought, excelled. Every individual player contributed. Um, and that, that's why it was so complete. And, and as well, the last point, that we briefly mentioned Thiago already, but all, all the chat in the build-up to it was about him and whether he'd be fit, whether he'd feature. I think just, just because people want to see him play, don't think he's a new sign and he's a, he's a world-class player. But the midfield pretty much just silenced that, that conversation. Um you know, that wouldn't quite go as far to say I'd forgotten Liverpool sign Thiago afterwards, but you certainly think that the level of control that they were able to exert over that football match yesterday without him, it's very, very exciting um, when the international break finishes to see what he can do when you put him in that team, as well as the, the lads on show last night. Yeah. I, think what Liverpool, I think what Liverpool have to do as well is make the most of these opening weeks because, yeah, they have got a tough fixtures, but you've seen what's happened at City. But City will get better. United will probably make a few more signings and they'll get better. Uh, Chelsea's signs will bed in, but Liverpool and you know Tottenham will certainly be a much different team to the one that played against Everton on the first day of the season and lost. So I think they've just got to get these points on the board, and also because we don't don't want to be too negative about things. But if it turns out that they don't finish the season, the more points you've got at the start of it, the better, because then you've got more chance of actually winning something. So it's all about getting these points on the board when they can, and in the process, as as Sean said, they just sent a reminder to two of the main or or, or you know, bigger rivals that 
you know, there's still a big gap between Liverpool and, and those teams. Yeah, and on that then, with all the, the other rivals, Joe, is it a case of, we see obviously in France and Germany how PSG and Bayern Munich, it's almost a monopoly over the league. And without getting too carried away after three games in the season, if Liverpool do start as fast as they have done and continue this and Man City don't sort of keep the pace, are, are, are Liverpool sort of threatening the rest of the Premier League to take it away from them and actually turn the Premier League into a bit of a monopoly? I wouldn't say that. I think I think that's a bit premature because, look, you know, Liverpool have won one league in, in 30 years and, they, you know, they, to do it back-to-back would be a phenomenal achievement on probably a lot of people's wildest dreams. But um, I think... But, look, I mean, Liverpool seem one step ahead of the game in terms of pretty much every area at the moment. Coaching, you know, I think... You take their nearest rivals and you look City, and you know they, they've got more money to spend. They've been investing more heavily every summer, yet they still can't solve the same problems that have haunted them now for eighteen months, which is which is their defence. And Liverpool seem to have solutions to pr- pretty much every issue, and and it seems to be recruiting well for the future at the same time. So I don't think we can talk about monopolies, but Liverpool are in such a healthy position that the other clubs will be looking at them, um, and they'll be green with envy because. You know, Liverpool just don't seem to have too many weaknesses. But look, there's a lot of money in the Premier League, and I think the difference between Liverpool and those other teams that you you mentioned, you know, Bayern Munich's rivals don't quite have the money that the Bayern Munich have. You know, La Liga, Juventus, um, sorry, Barcelona and Real Madrid have more money than than all of their rivals. So again, you know, there isn't too much to challenge them, and, and the same for Juventus in Italy. So you know, I think. Liverpool are in a slightly different position in the sense that Chelsea and, and City and United will always invest and things can always change on the back of such heavy investment. But right now, Liverpool hold all the cards and they just look every area. They look they look such as an excellent club, so well run. And that must be, um, that must really make their rivals fume. Yeah, Joe, you're just about hanging in there like City, hopefully in this title race. <laughs> with your internet connection there, but... Um, Sean, looking then into some of the, the individual performances picked out in the intro, Sadio Mane, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Diogo Jota. I mean, personally, looking at Sadio Mane this start of this season, he, he just every year seems to improve and get better and better. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's kind of... I think you can make a strong case for him being the most important sign of the Klopp era, given that he was like one of the first major ones and was such a key building block for the team. I totally agree with you. His, his goal return and his contributions, they pretty much have improved year on year. Um, and to be honest, I was I was actually like slightly worried about him last night, certainly at the start, because he just he was so wound up and he came out like a man possessed. There was like that little incident with Bellerin and then obviously the the, the raising of the arm. Um, but like, so he was walking a bit of a tightrope for the rest of the game, but he was just phenomenal. And this is going to sound like a slightly mad shout, but there was a little bit, there was a 15 to 20 minute spell where he reminded me, not in terms of his position or anything, but he reminded me of Gerard in the sense of just absolutely on an individual level, taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And it was just like, every time he looked up, he was on the ball or he was trying to win the ball. He was taking it forward. He was fashioning a chance. He's just absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, from from worrying about him to then him arguably being man of the match, it was it was just eighty minutes to save it. 
Yeah, I couldn't believe he came off Doyle. Certainly, Diogo Jota came on, didn't embarrass himself, but Sadio Mane, on Sean's point there, really did sort of seem to take the game beyond Arsenal, sort of on, on a one-man crusade. He did, but it wasn't as much of a one-man crusade as Trent Alexander-Arnold, because I gave him man of the match. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, but Mane, Mane ran in close. He wasn't the only one. That's, I think most of the Liverpool players were very good on the night. Um, in fact, there was no bad performances, which is very unusual for any team. Normally, you'll get one who's quite below par. I mean, you even look at, you know, Firmino's not at not his best at the moment, but he did quite well. Certainly in, in, in the second goal, keeping the ball up. And he, and he you know, he keeps on creating uh, space for the others to run into. But going back to Mane, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's just, it, it, it is like he's just taking everything on by himself. It's like every single year, as you've said, he gets better. Bear in mind, this player came from Southampton, and at the time, people thought, well, 30, was it £30 million? Pounds? £30 million pounds is, a, is a lot of money. And I remember seeing him, I think it was Burton in the League Cup. I think it was. He scored twice. And, and OK, I know it was a, but they were a championship team, but he was just pulling out all the tricks, and he was just knocking players over, and you're thinking, oh, they might have, you know, they might have somebody here. And he's somebody who, the fact that, you know, Salah had a good game, I thought, as well, last night. And if you've got those two doing that, it's hard to keep one of them quite, let alone two. So if you concentrate on one, like I think Arsenal tried to do in the second half, I think two or three of their players got booked for, for fouling Manny. And I think probably the reason he came off was to stop himself getting sent off if he, react, if he reacted to any of these challenges. So, uh, you know, if you remember, it was the Atletico Madrid game, wasn't it? The In the Champions League first leg, he got he got substituted then. So obviously there's a, there's, there's, there's you know, there's a certain spark to the way Mane approaches the game, but overall, you'd have to argue at the moment, is there a better player in the Premier League than him? No, I think that certainly is a fair shout. Let's talk about Trent then. Come back to you, Doyle, on Trent. As you say, you gave him man of the match. That first half, mm. it was, he, he really was unplayable. He was, if you bear in mind as well, that he'd, the Leeds game, the first game of the season, he, he wasn't particularly great, but he'd come back from injury because he'd, he'd obviously missed the Community Shield. He'd missed a large part of, uh, of the warm-up programme as well. So he's still getting up to speed. But, you know, last night, he, he said, eh, eh, all of his, it wasn't just his deliveries either as well. You look at Andy Robertson from, from his corners on the left, they caused a lot of problems. So the fact that Liverpool's second goal came from a, a Trent cross to Robertson was in some ways, the epitome of the way Klopp likes to, to play football with such a, an attacking onus on the fullbacks. And for both of them to be up there, you know, in and around the 18-yard box, it's that's just the way that Liverpool, Klopp wants Liverpool to play the game. And, you know, Arsenal haven't exactly got two slouches in their fullback positions with Tierney and, and, and Bellerin, but I thought Tierney did okay in the first half with Salah, but, you know, for the, for the equaliser, he got Salah got the other side of him and then that's what Salah can do, even when he's not having his best game at the beginning, he, he can bring something out of nothing. That's what Trent can do as well. Yeah, he's shot the hit the bar. He was unlucky there. So it's a, it's it's not a lot of people have said it, but just the way that Trent passes the ball. It sounds ridiculous, but just the way he strikes the ball. If you're a footballer, I've spoken to obviously lots of footballers, and they just love the way that he hits it. And that was a little bit like Steven Gerrard when he used to play. He used to have a certain way of striking it, and you know there, there are very few players who can do that. And when you've got the vision of that Trent's got and the engine as well, and, and he did okay defensively as well, then that you've got yourself a player there that what is he still 21? He's only going to keep getting better. And if he's anything like Sadio Mane, by the time he gets to 28 and 29, could the, could the best player in the world be a right back? 
I suppose we're only going to wait and find out. But Joe on Trent, there was a ball he played in the first half where I think it was either a corner or a free kick. It had been headed out of the box. Van Dyke was forward and Trent was running back to get the ball. He sort of swiveled and first time just put this ball in towards Van Dyke. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he, he does things that um, you don't expect from any player on the pitch. Never mind the right back. Um, he is out of this world. I think I think we almost take him for granted a little bit. I think you always do when you have a homegrown talent. They don't come in for for a massive fee, um, but he is he's an outrageous player, and he's just a. I mean, to have such great weapons from from right right back and, and left back, it's an element which I don't think there's any other team in the in the world that that has. Such a, I mean, Bayern Munich perhaps are the only other one, but that, that has such attacking options because Liverpool, if Liverpool's front three don't get it, then one of the fullbacks will. And to see Andy Robertson coming in on the back post last night, I thought was really satisfying because you don't see many fullbacks do that. And I think the only thing that you possibly like to see, and this is really nitpicking from the, the two of them, is maybe a few more goals from the two of them. You know, Trent gets a few from free kicks, but you know, if if they can come in at the back post, wouldn't, wouldn't that be lovely? And and Trent crossing for Robertson to do that last night was was really great to see. So um, I think Pat Mendes said there was it's their favourite type of goal when um, the two fullbacks combined. So yeah, it, I can understand why because it really was satisfying and and it, it just shows why Liverpool overwhelm so many teams because they just don't know what to do. Do they? You know, do you, how do you stop the front three? How do you stop Firmino? How do you stop the two fullbacks? And now Liverpool are bad fielders who can you know if it's not. Alex, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain or Naby Keita. You know, Fabinho started to score some goals and, and now they've brought in Thiago. So Liverpool have got weapons all over the pitch and finally just to finish Diogo Jota's introduction last night, I just thought was... That was Personally, for me, it was the highlight of the match because <laughs> I, just thought he, I just thought he was brilliant. So I just thought, you know, we talked about... I think Sean mentioned in a podcast recently about... Um, and I realise I'm sort of hijacking the... the the agenda here because I'm sure you want to ask about Diogo Jota, but I just I was just so thrilled with. I remember Sean talking about their Calc coming off the bench. I think he was against West Ham all those years ago and, and making such a great impression. And Jota did the same. He just came straight in. He was involved in everything. And all right, he, he missed a good chance and Salah took one off his foot, but he was just there and involved. And and it, it was no surprise he scored because he put himself in all those dangerous areas. So that was great to see as well. So. Yeah, so so enthused by the amount of weapons Liverpool have to, to beat teams. Yeah, and that's the thing on Diogo Jota, isn't it, Sean? That Jurgen Klopp was saying after the game that he's obviously nowhere near up to full speed with what Liverpool do, but it seems such a natural transfer for Liverpool to have made that he comes on for 10 minutes and possibly could have had himself a hat-trick. Ah, it was, it was mad. And to be honest, I, I think there was a little bit of pressure on him because he'd come on for Mane, who obviously... Didn't, didn't really like the fact that he'd been taken off. He kind of made that quite clear that he was his reactions. He was subbed. So there's a little bit of pressure on him there. You know, he's one of the best players on the pitch has gone off and the game's not won it. Again, it harks back a little bit to that the Curtis Jones substitution against Leeds. I wouldn't be surprised if Klopp was thinking, well, let's see what this guy's all about. Obviously, come on against Lincoln and had a bit of a run around there, but this was a bit more of a substantial game and, and a bigger moment for him. And yeah, he was, he, he was great, I think. Like, like Joe says, you couldn't really ask for, for a more exciting cameo. You probably should have scored two and could have scored three, as you say. Um, but yeah, I think the, the best thing was he was getting in positions for chances. That wouldn't Obviously, Liverpool were on top. They were well on top for the whole game. But I don't think Arsenal were like particularly ragged. It wasn't, wasn't like Arsenal were doing badly and were letting him in. I think he was just like cleverly finding space. And that's like 
that's really what you want to see, isn't it, from a, from a forward? Okay, maybe he could have tucked away the one that Salah fizzed into him with like a really good ball into the area, hit the side net in. Would have liked to have seen that gone in, but you can't really complain. And, and I think as well, he comes out of it now with his goal, with a reference point, with something to build on. Again, like, like Thiago, he, he had that 45 minutes against Chelsea and all right, he's out at the moment. We hope we'll just do something minor and he'll be back soon. But both of those new lads and also Simicas, who we've seen, have, have got their debut out of the way, have, have impressed and look like they're going to settle in quickly, which is what we all want to see. And Doyle, do we now just see the sort of full strength that Liverpool do have? Because when you take into account Jordan Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Thiago, Matip all weren't involved in the matchday squad and Diogo Jota comes off the bench and gets his goal, you are now beginning to sort of see just sort of how deep this Liverpool squad is to challenge even maybe in a truncated season like this on all fronts. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing too far ahead, though. There's still, you know, it's very rare that you have. I know they've, they've got three players injured all in the same position. Four, actually, they've got Matip as well. So they do have a, a, a big squad, but they probably will lose some of them in the coming weeks, whether it's on a permanent transfer, it looks the likes of, you know, Gruwich and Wilson were, in, were involved in the, the, the League Cup game last week. They could go. There's one or two others who might leave as well on loan. So... It's a tricky one because some of the players are probably thinking, well, after this League Cup, we might not be playing for ages. Because if Liverpool do beat Arsenal in the League Cup on, on Thursday, the next round isn't until just before Christmas. When they come back, it's you know Champions League, international breaks, this, that and the other. So that's another reason why Liverpool, it's good that they're getting these points on the board because when they do come back, I would imagine that the rotation won't be, well, they certainly won't be rotating 10 or 11 players out of the team to play in the Champions League, will they? So that's when people are going to become more involved, where the likes of Yacht will be playing in the Premier League and starting games. So that's where the actual test of the, the, the squad strength will be. I mean, just going back to Yacht, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't think, in reality, many Liverpool fans, even though we played for Wolves for a couple of years, know that much about him. I know that Sean's a massive fan. We did a piece, it was about 15 months ago, where we said, which player would you like to take? From a, from another Premier League team, and, and Sean said said, said Yotta. So, well done to him for that one. A rare piece of insight there from my colleague. <laughs> I think I said Felipe Anderson, which kind of suggests I don't know anything about football. Although I do, although I do quite like Anderson actually. But anyway, yeah, going back to he, he couldn't have done much more on his on this performance. It was slight. It was a slight contrast to the one at Lincoln, where I think Klopp just said said he just said to him, just go out and just do what you want. And I'm not sure whether or not the extra few days training with the, the first teams helped him because it did seem as though he was instantly, as Sean said, linking up with some of his teammates and the fact that Mane was a bit annoyed when he went off. I don't think that would have made any impact whatsoever. I think even if Mane had been doing, you know, cartwheels when he was going off the pitch, I think Yotta would have still been desperate to get out there and do something. So, I mean, it, it, it couldn't have done much better for him, but it's early days. And as Klopp has said, if he is going to be playing most most of the times we'll be playing will be on the left. So it looks like it's going to be either or on the left between those two for, for the moment. Yeah, certainly. I suppose it could even be exciting of seeing maybe Sadio Mane go through the middle at times, Joe, as well. But on the, on the sort of squad strength and the, and the depth of it for Liverpool, it seems to be genuine world-class options that Jurgen Klopp has 15, 16, 17 of. And that when certain players are going to be coming into this squad, there really isn't going to be a drop-off at all in the quality that he's going to have to choose from. Yeah, I think I think the best example of that is once everyone's fit, um, which you know the, the, the exciting prospect is probably the bench. I mean, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine you know last night Oxley Chamberlain was out, Matip was out, um, Thiago was out, but 
all of those players put on the bench, you know, you've got such strength and depth. Um, Liverpool are, in a, are going to be in a lucky position. And I think one of the things that has been levelled at Liverpool right throughout probably Klopp's reign is do they have a bench that's as strong as some of their rivals? But once people are fit, they'll have a, a bench just as strong, if not stronger than pretty much all the teams in the Premier League. So, you know, and, and they've got so many players who can play in different positions. I think the great thing about someone like Jota is, you know, he is so versatile. And, and like you said, frees up other people to go and play in different positions. They've now got Fabinho, who can who can play in midfield or in defence. Quite look quite accomplished in, in defence against Chelsea and just slotted back into midfield and was as good as he ever was last night. And you know, Jurgen Klopp can just move things around as he wants. So um, I think when we see that bench with everyone fit on it, it will be. Um, be a difficult one and, and Klopp's life's going to get quite difficult isn't it because he's going to have to try and pick a team um, and get some of these guys in it and I don't know how he's going to do it because you know I think a lot of people will be pushing for places um, it's going to be interesting it gives him so many options across different competitions you know he can rotate a little bit more um, you know I think we'll see different lineups and different formations for Champions League and it just makes means Liverpool can compete in different competitions a lot a lot better. I think Pep Linder said it himself, didn't he, ahead of the last um, press conference, ahead of the greatest co- oh, what competition a sh- in the world. Yeah. Said, no, you just cut out there as you were going to say the greatest cup competition. I said, what a, what a timely place to, to, to cut oh. out, but you are back now. I'm, I'm glad I'm back because I, I did try and say that in the press conference before the greatest cup competition in the world of football, Pep Linder said that Liverpool can now compete for the FA Cup and the, the greatest competition in the world of football. So, <laughs> with Liverpool having such a good squad, it means that they can pick teams that that can that can suit all competitions. So, you know, I, I think this is where, without being greedy, they won the Champions League last uh, in 2019, the Premier League this year. I think they should start eyeing multiple trophies this year. I can't remember when Pep Linders did the Champions League pre-match final press conference, but I have to maybe go back and try and find that one. But, yeah. Anyway, Sean... someone pointed out to me. Sorry, someone pointed out to me the other day. The League Cup has three handles. Three handles. You know what? What can you not love about that? It's, it's one more handle than the other trophy, isn't it? For, for so, a League Cup you know. aficionado like yourself, I thought you would have known that it had three handles. I well, thought. Well, I just. My cup's only got one handle, so what does that mean? That means it's not very good. The community shield doesn't even have any. <laughs> um, that says a lot, doesn't it? There you go. Very fun. Yeah, the World Cup doesn't have any either, so that, that mustn't be up to ah, yeah. either. But anyway, let's... That's because international football doesn't count, but it's rubbish. It's yeah. yeah, true. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's get off talking about uh, how many how many handles trophies have equating to how prestigious they are. And Sean, looking at s- sort of just some statistics and even sort of on the significance of this result, and I suppose the performance as well against Arsenal, coming off the back of Manchester City suffering their first defeat of this season, it sort of all just seems to underline that Liverpool wanted to sort of lay down an early marker, which they certainly did. Oh, massively. I know we touched on City before, but... And, and yeah, it is very, very early days. You can't write them off. But I do think they've got real problems compared to the, the cohesion and complete nature of Liverpool's performance. I thought City, well, obviously they struggled at the weekend, but like they've got problems. They appear to be throwing money at them again, which is which is usually the solution, isn't it? But two two things struck me, really. There were 
just the lack of leaders on the pitch. I think that's one thing you could always say about Liverpool. There's so many players who could be captains. There's, there's you know, obviously Milner Henderson, but everyone like Van Alden, Van Dijk, there's so many leaders. There's loads of players who play big roles internationally. Um, I just thought City were, were so rudderless on, on the pitch when they were when they were behind uh, at the weekend. And, and also, yeah, just like, they were quite slow to change things in any meaningful way. And I, I thought it was screaming out to, to bring De Bruyne a bit further back because he, he just looked like quite stranded when he was high up the pitch and no one was getting the ball to him. And I think this is the thing, like we've, we've just talked about Liverpool's strength and their depth now. And, and as Joe said before, like when, when the bench is going to be quite exciting and there's, there's genuine options to come off um, and come on as a sub and, and change the game, it does change the picture a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, um, there's this... In the league, this could make a difference, but also across multiple competitions. Um, so, yeah, very, very exciting. On that rudderless point that Sean makes then, Doyley, I make it five times last season, Liverpool conceded the opening goal and came back and won the match. Obviously, they did it last night as well, and albeit City took the lead against Leicester, but as soon as they fell behind in that game, you sort of could see the writing on the wall with Liverpool on Monday night. It didn't feel like that. As soon as they went behind, it was an error that gifted Arsenal the goal. It was like, well, Liverpool will now get into their sort of shape and they'll they'll knock Arsenal about and they'll, they'll get the goals that they need to win this game. And that's how it played out. To be fair, Leicester are a better team than Arsenal at the moment. And I know Arsenal beat Leicester at the, in the... Uh... In the Carabao Cup, but that wasn't really the proper teams, was it? Um, well, just look at the table from last. Look at the table from last year. Leicester were, were way better than, than Arsenal, and they will finish above them again this year. Sorry, right. However, going back to your point, <laughs> yeah, but that why why were Liverpool able to come from behind? Because they know how to win games. They know they can win games from that position. They've done it. What was it four or five times last season? You said so. They know they can do it, and they've done it against you know done it against top teams. And Arsenal? Yeah, and, and Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, they did it against I'm Tottenham. really sorry. It's too, it's too easy. It's yeah, really yeah. too easy. Kick, I'd like kick to him, kick, kick him out whilst he's down. Yeah, certainly the, the best way. But also, just another one I wanted to pick out, Joe, and just talk about was since the beginning of last season now, Man City have lost 10 games. Liverpool have won 35 of the 41 games since the beginning of last season. We talk about City as the nearest challengers, but they just seem to be a gulf between the two sides right now. Yeah, I saw Andrew Beasley tweeted something like they've lost 10 in the last however many years and Liverpool have lost two in the last two years or something like that. It was, it was, it was a crazy start, which that probably wasn't it. But yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot what the start was, but it was good. It was good. Go look at Andrew Beasley's tweet. I haven't done him justice there. But um I mean, I mean, I, I find City quite bizarre because, you know, I, I think Pep Guardiola is one of those managers that I think Liverpool fans have enjoyed sort of taking aim at at times, you know, and, and it's easy to dismiss City as a checkbook club who, you know, just solved their, their problems with money. And I, I, don't, I didn't think that was the case for a long time in, in terms of Pep was such a supreme coach and, and the way they played under him. But I think it has got to a stage now where I think he's running out of, ideas on how to to solve that defensive problem and they just do seem to be throwing money at the problem i mean do they do they get enough criticism for how expensive such a poor defense actually is i mean you look at the two fullbacks you know liverpool's fullbacks cost 10 million between them manchester city's fullbacks were like 100 million pounds worth of fullbacks and they looked dreadful like unable to do the basics of of, of what they were meant to be doing and then the center asked well nathan Ahi, Cost forty one million, but you know, 
you know, this summer we've we've uh, we've said Liverpool should go out and buy a centre half. And I think Liverpool would probably be better off with Fabinho playing all season at centre half than than buying someone like Nathan Ake. And and I think that underlines why Liverpool just don't go out and just spend money willy nilly because I don't think there's, there's just the the quality out there unless they do their homework to such an extent. So it'd be interesting to see how good this Ruben Diaz is. Um, but you know, they've spent big money on defenders before, and I'm I'm not convinced that they're going to get it right again. Um, so yeah, and I think it's. There's also underlines how good Liverpool are at the fact that their fullbacks can do, do so much so high up the pitch, yet not, you know, last night, I know Robertson made a mistake, but in general keep things so tight at the other end of the pitch because City seem to be buying very attacking fullbacks who, who are very good going forward but struggle badly when it comes to the defensive side of things. So I think that underlines the, the, just the great work that the Klopp and his coaches do on the training ground. And it's great credit to him and his team because... Pep really does seem to be struggling with that. Well, on, on, little, on that, little, oh, go on, oh, sorry, so I was going to say, here's a little thing there, just very quickly. Would you prefer to say Arsenal have got better defensively over the past nine months, Guy? You watch them. So Arsenal got Arsenal got better, yeah, defensively, yeah. Yeah, and Man, they Man City, the same scoreline as last season. I thought, that's yeah, where you were yeah but, but, but they were better defensively overall. They have been, and City have got worse. And has anybody left Man City to go to Arsenal in that time? Any coach? Yeah, I can think you, of you one. Do yeah. Whether, yeah, you do wonder whether Arteta strengthening Arsenal has weakened Manchester City in the sense of the defensive, you know, resolve and organisation. Because it's clear that Arteta knows what he's doing, and he's probably learned that from from being with. I can tell you now, from being with David Moyes at Everton for a number of years, because at the time Everton were always very hard to beat. And I think that's something that's overlooked. I'm also not going to go into all. The, I, I'm not going to join in the City bashing because they've got all the players that. When they click, they can just blow everybody away. I mean, Liverpool got beat four 0 by them only a couple of months ago. So, I don't think anybody should be anybody should be writing them off anytime soon. But you don't lose five two at home against a team that's slightly better than Arsenal, though. One one last little bit of City bashing, and it's not really City bashing. It's more it's more pro Liverpool. But I do think that that whole defensive recruitment thing is an interesting point because there was a time when I worried slightly about Liverpool's piecemeal approach really to, to squad building and it wasn't like it wasn't anything that was really their fault it was just like the nature of waiting and being patient to get top targets namely really Allison and Van Dijk um, rather than compromising and getting a slightly different solution but I think that patient approach has, has shown to be successful and like Joe said I think the overall spend on defenders under Guardiola, under Guardiola at City, topped four million, four hundred million, rather. Four million is not a lot of money when when this new lad's factored in, and that's that's a hell of a lot of money. But it's also a hell of a lot of new faces arriving in the squad. And what you can say about Liverpool is their defence knows each other very, very well. Um, and yeah, I, I think going back to what I said before as well about leadership, I, I don't think City have really ever replaced company kind of on or off the pitch, um, and that's a big issue for them. But Tony's also obviously right that this City team will. Will fire this season. They they'll they'll click at times, um, so you can't write them off just yet. But there are certainly advantages that Liverpool have over them, and hopefully they can hammer them home. Yeah, certainly. Look. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I just want to make clear. Sorry, I, I just want to make clear. I wasn't City bashing. I, I'm actually, you know, a huge fan of Pep Guardiola, and sometimes I think that fans, you know, dismiss him all too easily because they say, "Oh, he spends this, that, and the other." But he's a, he's an absolutely brilliant coach, and you know, his trophy Paul attests to that, doesn't it? I just think that. They've got a big issue there, and and they they have thrown a lot of money at the problem, and they're no closer to so solving it. And um, if anything, seems to be getting worse. So, 
I do think a lot of credit should go to Liverpool for the way that they've gone about solving their issues, which hasn't just been about spending. It has been a lot of work on the training ground. And and City, you know, they looked all over the shop against Leicester. And, you know, I think Liverpool got beat 4-0 by City, yeah, fair play. But, you know, Liverpool don't often get beat at home by a team like Leicester, by that sort of scoreline. And, you know, it's Clark. And it's an interesting point what they made Arteta, because you do remember, you know, the, there were times when Liverpool lost assistant managers um, in the not-too-distant history that obviously had a big impact on them. Paco Ayesteran seemed to have an impact when he left, and Patrice Bergs when he left Boulier. Um, so, um, you know, I think sometimes to get the Pep has lost one of his most key men um, in Arteta, so it's significantly weakened City by the looks of things. Yeah, let's just round up. Andrew Beasley actually tweeted saying, Man City have lost 10 of their last 36 league games. Liverpool have lost 10 of their last 128. So, yeah, that's that's doing the, uh, the statue. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was worth the wait as well. I think I, I, think I said something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something, something like that one. I've been looking for it for the past five minutes. Where are you, father? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but his internet's working. That's why. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah that does help. Uh, Doily, though, on on the title race, though, we're three games in. Surely it's too early mm. to be talking about that. And but could there be the possibility that it's not Man City who challenge Liverpool, or are we only looking to to Pep Guardiola's side? Well, there's a possibility, and I think there'll still be a number of teams in it going into February or March, unless Liverpool just win every single game again, which I don't think will happen. In fact, to be honest, I think there will be some daft, well, we just saw a daft result at the, the City-Leicester game. I think there'll be quite a few more daft ones because of the lack of crowd. I think that the home advantage, obviously, I'm fortunate enough to get to almost all of the Liverpool games. And with no crowd, I mean, obviously, it helps that you're around an environment that you know, but once the game gets going, there's you know, it's still a pitch and... You know, the, the rules are still the same. It's a ball, the players are the you know, same number of players, all this, that and the other. And there's no other distractions because the crowd isn't there. So I do think there'll be more strange results. I think Liverpool could probably afford to lose five or six games this season and still win the league. In fact, whoever whoever wins it, I can't see. There's only Liverpool could go off and do what Liverpool and City have done over the last few years, what Chelsea did a couple of years ago, what United used to do by winning it easily. No one else is going to do that. So if Liverpool do it, that's it. They're just going to go and run away with it like they did last season. But... I don't necessarily think that will happen, as I said before, when the Champions League starts and the European football comes. And I think Liverpool, that's the proper test of the strength of their squad and, and for everybody else as well, which is fit, you know, if, if Everton, I'm not, if Everton just keep on playing the way that they're playing, because they've got no Europe. I mean, if they're still in and around it around December or January, they're I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but they could prove a bit of a problem for some of the other teams. So that's why I think that There'll be a number of defeats. I think City are still the team that could beat Liverpool. Chelsea are probably the only ones who might come up and threaten. And only if they actually sign some players in the next week, United could do it as well. Sean, I think it was three weeks off till the first Merseyside derby of the season after the international break trip to Goodison. Are they going to be in the conversation? Um, I certainly think that the point about having no European football is a is a big one, like this season more than any. But we've we've seen how that can have an impact. Like Leicester, even Liverpool in 2013-14, you know, they, they had a, a real charge at the title, didn't they? And it does help. And then this season, you're talking about a, an even more truncated and condensed schedule. So possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, well, well, 
the derby's right there, isn't it? It's it's the next kind of acid test for them. What, what I would say is Everton kind of keep passing their tests. Like at the start of the season, they had an absolutely ridiculous record in terms of not having won away at the top at the top four, if you like. And then they got that win. It was big. They backed it up with another win. They've won their cup games. They've won away again at, at Palace. Um, who they got this weekend? Is it Brighton at home? So Brighton, yeah. as good as they looked against United, you'd expect them to win. Um, so I, I think you're going to get a situation where Liverpool and Everton go into the derby, possibly one and two in the league. I would imagine both having won their first four games. So it's it's the, it's the biggest derby in quite a long time. Um, so yeah, we, we shall see. I, I think from an FO perspective, maybe 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 three all something like that would do. So everyone's happy. We can just move on. Nil nil. Nil nil if you're going to draw. Yeah. Nil nil. They are are often tight affairs, aren't they, at Goodison Park? But before we go, Joe, best give you a chance to speak about the three handled Carabao Cup. Of course, Arsenal coming back to Anfield on Thursday. (laughs) What are we thinking? This is going to be a one man preview of the game. What are we thinking ahead of that one? Well, this is the big one, isn't it, of the week? You know, um, forget last night. you know, you're trying to beat Arsenal. You know, both teams will put out you know a, a much stronger team. Um, <laughs> than the um, do you know what? It's, it's going to be interesting. I was just thinking. I was thinking to myself this morning: Who are Liverpool going to play at centre half? Because you look at it and think. I mean, Van Dijk plays almost every game, and I, I think Klopp sort of alluded to the fact that he didn't really want to play him at Lincoln, but for Van Dijk saying, "Look, I'm fit and healthy, and I want to play." But um, will he be so keen to play him two days after they've played Arsenal and two days before they play Aston Villa? Um, I'm not so sure. And then if he doesn't play him, then does he play a couple of youngsters? Which is always difficult, isn't it? If you play, you know, two very inexperienced players alongside each other. So I think that's the big area which I'm I'm really um, really interested to see what he does. I think perhaps he might play someone like Fabinho alongside a Reese Williams or. Um, Essentially, Seth van der Berg, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know why you're, you you all aren't more excited about the League Cup. It's a chance to see, it's a chance to see Liverpool and, and other teams play some of the players that don't play as much. You know, this is all serious, and I, I I find it quite interesting because you get to see those players. You know, and and the, the, it seems more of a free hit. It seems to, to offer up more exciting games. And you know what, you all know my feelings. I, I, when we get round to the FA Cup. It just all feels a lot more serious, and if if you play Reese Williams at the back, Liverpool gets slaughtered for it. Whereas in the League Cup, it seems quite everyone's quite happy, and they just want to have a little look at him. So, you know, I thought the Lincoln game was very interesting, and you know, I think it was quite enjoyable to watch as a supporter. So, I look forward to this game, and if it's anything like last season, that wasn't too bad, was it? So you can all just shut up. <laughs> so the last round at Lincoln, of course, was a was a goal of the season contest within itself as well. So yeah, that wouldn't go yeah. missing. It maybe another five all draw. Let's let's pick our teams though. Then in all seriousness, because as you say, Joe, chance to see some squad players, but also some selection dilemmas. Even certainly at the back for Liverpool, I take it we're all sort of in agreement that uh, Adrian will be between the sticks for the Reds. Doyle, do you want to throw in any random? goalkeepers in that position or are you happy with that? Well, it's, it's not random because Kelleher played in competition last season in a couple of games but I think Adrian will, I think Adrian will play yeah. What about the back four then? Sean, I'll let you go with the, the back four because it's it's going to be quite some sort of decision for Jurgen Klopp to make. It, it is a difficult one. I mean obviously Gomez is back now so he's got that extra option came through unscathed and looked good. 
I think the, the fullbacks are easy. I'd, I'd stick with Simicasts and and Williams. Um, but then, yeah, it, it is a different proposition to Lincoln, isn't it? So I think you're going to need a senior man there. Um, just stick with Van Dyke and Williams. I think I probably would. And then maybe look to do something like he did in terms of bringing someone else on in place of Van Dyke in the second half, maybe Gomez this time. Um, but yeah, I think Van Dyke's just the Rolls Royce, isn't he? He can, he can just tick through these games and giving him a, a half here, I think, would be okay. Especially presuming that Arsenal are going to rotate a little bit and it'll be slightly lesser opposition that he'll be up against. So yeah, I, I think I'd go with that. Doyle, what do you think for the, the back four? Um, well, the fullbacks are going to be the fullbacks, Simicass and Williams. And I think uh, I, we had this conversation before the Lincoln game where if you're going to play such a strong team elsewhere, it seems a bit daft to undermine it by not playing a solid centre-back pair. And I know they surprised us by playing Van Dyke uh, against Lincoln alongside Reese Williams, but wouldn't play Van Dyke this time. I'd go with Fabinho and Gomez, to be honest. I'd play the pair of them. And then if things are going okay second half, then you can give Reese Williams or Seth Vandenberg a little bit more time. But yeah, for the for the fact of the matter is that after this game, as I said before, the, the quarterfinals, because they'd be in the quarterfinals if they win, they aren't until like December the 20th or something stupid like that. So this is like a, a chance just to, to get far in the competition and know that you've got a big game coming a long way down the line. Is there a risk, though, playing Fabinho, that if maybe Jordan Henderson and Thiago are both still unavailable for Aston Villa, that if Fabinho were to pick up a, a strain or anything, Joe, that then he wouldn't be about for the Villa game? Of course, yeah. There's, of course, there's a risk, but then there's a risk that Van Dijk gets injured. There's a risk that Joe Gomez, who has, has injury problems himself, playing, you know, two, potentially three games in a week, he could get injured. So, you know, I think whichever one you go for is a risk. Uh, personally, I, I would do it. I'd go for Fabinho. Um, I'd be tempted for Gomez, but I think I'd go for Reese Williams just because I, you know, I think Gomez coming back from an injury to play three games uh, in a week might be just a little bit too much for him. So Fabinho and, and Reese Williams would be my pairing, and of course, the fullbacks are the fullbacks. And your midfield three, Joe. Let you go with them. Oof. Um, James Milner will play. Um, Curtis Jones will play. Um, I wonder whether he'll play Minamino a touch deeper. Um, played very well in the last game. Yeah, so yeah, those three. Doyle, what, what what are you saying? Shakiri looked quite good in the midfield against Lincoln. He did, but we don't know whether he's injured or not because he went off, didn't he, with a tiny... I know Klopp said he made a mistake subbing him, but it was, I was a bit surprised he wasn't on the bench uh, last night, to be honest. I thought it was a little bit harsh if he has been left out just purely on form because he played such a good game. So if he's fit... I'd play, I'd play Milner and Jones as well, yeah, because I don't think Grewich will be added this time. But if Shakiri's not fit, which we'll come to in a bit, um, sorry, if Shakiri is fit, which we'll come to in a bit, you'll see what happens with the front three. But if he's not fit, yeah, I'd play Minamino in a deeper role as well. And Sean? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, I'd love to see Grewich again, but obviously if there is the potential for him to be leaving at some point very soon, if, if a deal does get done, Perhaps it's a bit much to play him in this one. So, yeah, I think I'd, I'd go with that. Shakiri again, if he's fit, just to see if that was a fluke, really, that that really good performance, albeit against low league opposition, in a deeper role down there again, see what happens. Jones and then probably Milner in a slightly unfamiliar deeper role, but I'm, I'm sure he can pull that off. Doyle, you've teased us with the, the forward three then. Who are you lining up at the, the top end of the pitch? 
Well, if 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 sorry, if Shakiri's not fit and Minamino's in midfield, the rest of the three are straight straightforward. It's Yotta on the left, Barigi down the middle, and Harvey Elliott on the right. But it's when if Shakiri plays, then where do you fit them all in? And if you go by position, you'd have to have put Minamino down the middle, Yotta on the left, and Elliott down the right. But there's absolutely no way Arigi's not going to be starting. So how does he fit in? And then you you're looking, well, can Arigi go down the right? Or can Minamino go down the right? It's a it's a tough ask, but I'm just assuming Shakiri's not playing, so that makes it easier for me. Joe, what selection dilemmas have you got at the top end of the pitch? Yeah, I like Minamino in central areas, and I wouldn't want to push him wide. So yeah, I I like Doyle. I'm going to assume that Shakiri is injured and, and have Minamino in midfield, and yeah, Origi through the middle, um, Jota uh, first full start on the on the left and. Uh, the end of the right. um, but you know it'd be interesting to see whether he does pick someone like Grouch because if he does then perhaps that might hint to you that there isn't too much interest in, in him before the deadline and you know whether Chikiri's fit or because it's going to be an interesting lineup. that's why the League Cup's so much fun it's hard to even pick a team and, and Sean finally you on the, the front three uh, yeah so I've put Chikiri in midfield haven't I so he's not an option uh, Minamino Oh, where to put Minamino? I'm going to say I'm going to say Rigi down the middle, Minamino on the right, and Yotta on the left, which feels a bit harsh on Harvey Elliott. But I guess you, if Shakiri isn't available, you rejig it. You put Elliott on the right, uh, and it resolves that way. But but yeah, I think you know Rigi had a couple of runs, didn't he, down the middle in this competition and, and others last season. So try him there again, see what happens. And finally, quick prediction. Then Sean, go round from you, Sean, Joe, and Doyle. If you want to kick us off, Sean. Uh, well, I'm going to say six three, and, and I'll explain this. <laughs> Because we, we, we talked, we talked, we talked in uh, we talked in Friday's part about 2007 when there was those two crazy games in succession, and my hope was that the results would flip. Well, the first one asked because I think Liverpool lost three one in the FA Cup final back then. Now they've won three one, so yeah, it follows that it must be six three on Thursday. Joe, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not silly. Five five Liverpool on pens. <laughs> Well, they've ruined my joke. I was going to say seven all, but uh, <laughs> I'll be the sensible one for once. Um, three two to Liverpool. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Yeah, it could be. It could be anything. It could. It could literally be any scoreline because we don't even know. I mean, it, okay, a bit of Arsenal insight. Is Martinelli fit? No. He's no, back, it's not. Okay, no, no, Jimmy. Yeah, he, he, he had a big, he had a big knee injury during uh, during Project Restart. So now he's out for quite a while. But anyway, who's the reserve uh, they, who's the reserve they, they just bought some uh, Icelandic goalkeeper. I think he is Runison, who's coming from Nice. So uh, yeah, it'd be a debut for him between the sticks. So we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But. Why pick the Arsenal team? We might as well pick the Arsenal team. No, I've genuinely genuinely no idea where he goes with that. But uh, (laughs) anyway, that's it from us here for this edition of the Blood Red podcast. Of course, keep across the Liverpool Echo, certainly for the game on Thursday night. There's also the uh, link to our twice daily newsletter in the description of this podcast. If you give us your email address, we can send you our top Liverpool stories directly to your inbox. But from myself, Guy Clark, Ian Doyle, Joe Rimmer and Sean Bradbury. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.